You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Autumn Farr. Autumn is a life coach, healer, and creator of My Healing Guide. Her mission is to help her clients more deeply connect with themselves by embracing the resistance they feel and transforming negative emotions into personal growth. Autumn helps her clients create a life in which they are fully aligned with their authentic self. I know that Autumn is truly amazing at what she does because she was my life and business coach for over a year throughout the entire lockdown of 2020 and beyond. And in this episode, we will discuss the concept of being seen. We dive into what it means to feel seen by others and to see yourself fully and how you can go about the journey of being fully seen in this world instead of choosing to hide. With that, I know many of you will relate to this topic, and I know you will definitely enjoy it. So without further ado, here's the interview with the lovely Autumn. Hey, Autumn, how are you today? I'm so good. I'm so excited. Yay! Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I know you're one of the most important people to me in the world. So it's about time I asked you to be on the show. (laughs) You mean a lot to me too, Meg. I've really been a part of your life pretty personally. Oh yeah, (laughs) big time. (laughs) Oh man. So for everyone listening, Autumn was actually my life coach and business coach for over a year throughout the entire pandemic. And without her, I probably wouldn't have been able to take my coaching business full-time and also the Recovery Collective might not even exist because of how much she's supported me through the launch process and helped me strategize that. So Autumn, you mean so much to me. I'm not even kidding. I always think of you on Thanksgiving as like the first person I'm grateful for. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's dive into a little bit about you. I'd love for you to share who you are, what you do, and also your journey on how you arrived to becoming the coach you are today. Okay. I'm excited. So first and foremost, my name is Autumn. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area, single mom-ish, really complicated type of relationship. And she worked like a boss just all the time. And so I was actually watched by my grandparents. My grandfather remarried. And through that process, I was actually 
we'll get deep kind of fast and trigger warning. I was just abused in different ways throughout that experience and journey. And so my personality and who I became was very reserved and shy, not because of being that way, just because of the abuse happening. Like you just want to stay in safety. And usually it's like hiding who I am in some capacity. And you just learn that. And I learned that. And I keep going like with my journey, da, 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 da. And uh, I graduated high school, everything. And I actually was just very motivated to do something bigger. I was always like, I really don't want to do something too typical. I want to do something out of the box. And my mom really pushed me to just make a business. And so I made a business at like 18 years old, and which is really cool. Um, and I did that and it escalated from clothing into specifically a magazine. And I naturally asked super deep questions. And so it translated over into a very deeper magazine, very self-reflective. And then eventually we focus on mental health. And so once I had the mental health magazine, I stuck with that and did like marketing, advertising, learned all the ins and outs, whole thing, hit different goals company-wise. And at a certain point, I realized that my passion was just waning for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that it helped me a lot to notice the trauma that I went through. So if I didn't have trauma magazine, I would have never realized what I went through was even considered trauma. And so it helped me in that aspect, but eventually I wanted to dive deeper with myself and just understand me as a person. And I think that's a lot different than only focusing on one disorder and just the disorder itself, which is why I love with what you do make, because you, you don't just focus on eating disorders. It's like, who are you type of thing? You know, like, what do you love to do? It's not just, okay, hello, eating disorder number two. Like it's, it's not like that. Like it's like, okay, who are you as a person? That type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so as I started to go on that journey, my life changed in different ways and it's really interesting how it did, but I ended up doing life coaching and business coaching with Meg. And that was when I really was like, oh my God, I love this. Like, this is so awesome. And I was hosting a huge event at the time, tons of things was happening with it and coaching Meg. So coaching you Meg, was the one thing that gave me peace because I was under so much stress. I hired a coach to help me through it. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? This is so much. And I'm like, I think I was, I don't know how old I was, just super young going through that. So I don't have much wisdom to go off of through that process. So I, I had a coach to help me. His name's Kian Lage. And I was coaching Meg. And I was like, I just love this. And this is just, it's relaxing me. And I just kept going with it. And eventually that I felt that dwindling passion for Twa Magazine. And I noticed with the marketing and business coaching too, solely, my heart was in life coaching. And I was just like, wow, I don't know how long I can do this. And eventually I co-hosted a retreat with my partner and I just realized I'm glowing when I'm doing something that I love purely, not when I'm doing something that I'm competent in only. And I have the skills for, I'm a great, great at it. I just really specifically loved connecting with people on a deeper level. And mm-hmm. so I pulled the plug on my business, which is a big move to do, yeah. <laughs> especially when you have a team, because <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? You know, like, it's not just me now, it's other people. And oh my, I had the best team ever, but I had to do what felt great for me. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's what I chose. And that's how I'm here today. Just choosing what's best for me and connecting with people on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I still use some marketing and business things like techniques, but it's all just based in connection. And I love that my life is like that now because I do feel happier and at peace and just centered in myself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like your journey with Twa Magazine reflected a lot of your personal journey because you were pretty young when you started that magazine, fresh out of high school, right? Or like yeah. pretty. So I think a lot of times what I've seen is individuals who have experienced trauma seek to almost heal themselves without realizing it by diving into the mental health field or advocacy work or something related to that. And then once they actually start to heal, they want nothing to do with those things again. I don't know if that's kind of what you experienced, but it's like I had a friend who experienced kind of like child abuse growing up and she was a huge advocate for it in college. And then she wanted to be a lawyer for, for children. And then when she finally got to law school, she's like, I'm really tired of making my trauma my life. And she walked away from it and she's doing a totally different type of law now. Wow. That's a big move. Yeah. I think it differs per person. Cause I feel yeah. like I, um, I think at a certain point when you first start out, like you do need some type of community that can help, especially mm-hmm. when you're at that place where you're in a lot of shame and fear, you need someone to aid you. And so that community helped me and like focusing on mental health helped me a ton. And I think that it just transformed into something else of just connecting with myself, but still I'm very much so aware of like the things that I went through and I'll reference it for my clients because mm-hmm. they can relate to it too. So I think, yeah, it just differs per person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's very accurate. Nothing is one size fits all in mental health and healing and all of that. So well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story. And I love how bold you are in life. Like for everyone listening, Autumn reached out to me through a cold email. when, And I was like 28 <laughs> or something. So several years older than her. I had no idea how old she was. I assumed she was like my age because she was so wise and professional and intelligent. She reaches out to me in a cold email. It blew me away. And how many people can say that a cold email blows them away? (laughs) I was like, this girl knows me. She clearly has done her research. And so that's how we got involved. She actually had reached out to me about wanting to work and do a story with Twa Magazine. And I was really intrigued about that. And then after we worked together, I hired her to be my coach. She wasn't even advertising coaching services. I just was like, I was like, what is this new life she's talking about? (laughs) I just knew she would, I wanted her to be my coach. And I had been in the coaching field for so long that I was like, I need you to coach me in business. And then that's kind of how beautiful it was because I find that you were so naturally gifted at it. And Also, your business mind is extremely brilliant, in my opinion. And so whatever you end up doing, you know, now that you're doing my healing guide, I just am really excited to see where that goes. 
Thank you, Meg. That means a lot. If it wasn't for you and just the ENFJ that Meg McCabe is <laughs> with like, just calling the shots on certain things in the most loving way you can think of. And like, I would have never started coaching because I was just so set in what I was doing. I was like, oh, this is fine. And it started to get really boring at a certain point. And then someone's like, hey, you think you could coach me? I'm like, coach you. I don't know what this is. <laughs> well, when I hired my first coach, I knew nothing about her. So before I worked with Autumn, several years earlier, I worked with a coach, founder on Yelp. I had no relationship with her and it was okay, but it, it wasn't my the best experience. So I learned if I ever hire a coach again, it needs to be someone I already know and trust and really is conscientious of who I am as a person and kind and generous with their time and all that stuff. So you just check every box. And I was like, you're my coach now. And then there I was. And so much came out of that. Yes. So much came out of that. And I think, and maybe one day I'll, I'll hire you again. I always have that in the back of my mind. I I know. I I still have our whistle. Maybe we can show it at the end or something, but I always keep it. (laughs) And sometimes I'll even blow it just because I'm like, Oh, I just love Meg so much. Like you've, yeah. (laughs) The amount that you've transformed is night and day, like completely is it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you've transformed a lot too. I've seen, you know, something? oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I know wanted to say, I was going to say, I don't know if we're thinking about the same thing, but I remember when I first started with Meg and mind you, like, I didn't know what coaching really was, but I was definitely growing. I was learning pretty fast and you invited me to something. And I was like, oh my God, I've never even shown my face before. Like, this is frightening. And so the first time I ever popped on Zoom with anyone was with Meg because she was like, yeah, just come along. And like, it was a, a group type of workshop. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I just showed my face. Like, it's just so interesting. That was a while ago. That was before mm-hmm. we started coaching with each other, I think. Yeah, that was when I was working with you through the magazine. Mm-hmm. So that actually ties really closely in what our subject for the call today is, which is about being seen. Yes. And that's what I meant by when I seen you grow, because when we started working together, we only had phone calls and I never saw your face until <laughs> the whole entire process was almost over. Oh my gosh. And yeah. I'm curious about that. Like, First of all, I think the audience needs to know what exactly do you mean when we say, I see you or I feel seen? And then also, how does that relate to your journey? Good question, Meg. I, Meg is so beautiful. I just, she's so great. Inside <laughs> out. Oh, so great. Okay. So hmm, when I think of the word seen, I notice that, especially with the podcast episode, like all on it, every single person had a different response to what that is. Mm. And it's really interesting because it's like, it's almost like it's a magnifying glass, but it's a personal one just for you. And only you really know what that means for you. So for Mm. me being seen was just actually putting myself out there to be received by other people. It's not that I didn't know what was already in me, but it, to a certain degree, it was limited because I was just so shy and so 
used to hiding in my own shell when I wanted to use my voice, when I wanted to say how I really felt, when I wanted to contribute to anything, really, it was like, oh, I'm a little afraid of how they're going to react or, oh, I don't really know how it's going to be or kind of overthinking it and like doubting yourself and being really critical. And so for me, it was just the journey of allowing myself just to be me and seeing who I really am in that light and just allowing it to shine and not being okay with any reaction there could be. And that was just through, I think a lot of like conscious growth, but also things that life just throws at you. And it's like, Hey, you deal with this. And most likely you have to deal with it in the way of being okay with people knowing who you are or really just allowing yourself to possibly be judged in some way. And I just think that it's different for each person, but essentially it's just not hiding from yourself, like, Mm. which then you would hide from other people. If you're hiding from yourself, you're definitely hiding from others. And I just noticed that disconnection that Mm. I had there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were hiding in what ways were you hiding in life? Oh, so many ways I was hiding hmm, for myself. I was hiding how wise I was, I would say. Mm. So I definitely like would not, I mean, I was doing phone calls for like for client calls and stuff. I was so afraid I was hiding the connection I could possibly have with someone because then it could allow me to feel really, really good. And having gone through the trauma that I went through, there was also that part of me that was like, well, if I feel really, really good, usually that means I'm going to get abused in some way. So it's like, you're starting to, you can, some people would say self-sabotage, but it's just going with what you know. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm really connecting with someone, it means that they could possibly leave or they could possibly hurt me. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to keep everything controlled and contained and just, Mm -hmm. just talk when someone's talking to me and not say anything else. Mm. And eventually I just allowed myself to be seen and speaking how I really felt about things and speaking from my heart and accepting Mm -hmm. myself and knowing how awesome I am as a person and knowing that that's not conceited. But if I know what's within me fully, I'm able to actually help someone else in some way to see that in themselves just by me being myself, if Mm -hmm. it's the true type of Mm self-appreciation. So yeah, that's one way. There are a lot of different ways, but that's one way. It's so interesting because when I listened to your podcast episode and you started talking about being seen, I noticed that you kept connecting it to hiding. (laughs) And I hadn't thought of it in that way before. I had thought when I am being seen, that's on the other person to see me. And it was like, I was giving all the responsibility to the people around me to see me. And then when you brought up hiding, I was like, that's the missing piece. Duh. If like, if I'm not feeling seen, that's not on them. That's on me to stop hiding. That's on me to show them more, to offer more information, to offer more vulnerability. And so I just thought that was a really powerful shift I had when listening to your podcast. That is really powerful. It also is just, just another affirmation or like just some um, affirmation reassurance 
that the power isn't outside of you. It is within you. And, but when we give it to the people outside of us, then we can't do anything about anything that happens to our life because we don't have the power. But in reality, it's just like you said, that little shift of it is my responsibility and what am I saying or doing? And it's also because sometimes we can be in environments or like society, right? Where it's like people don't really see you because they don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. some people don't. Um, and they can only really do to you what they do to themselves. You just can't really expect too much with certain people sometimes. And it's also just this confidence within yourself that if I'm speaking my truth, this person doesn't accept it, that's okay. Because at the end of the day, it's how I feel, not how I look to someone, but if I feel good, instead of just looking good, like, oh, I'm saying all the right things to be seen, but do I still feel good? If their response to that allows you to no longer feel good, maybe- and it just hurts you in a different way. Maybe you were saying it to get their approval and with being seen, it's no longer doing things for someone else's approval, but just so that way you can feel as though you're, you're actually growing in your life and doing things that are true to you, just you, no one else, just you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I feel like that stems into the area of confidence because I think hiding has a lot to do with shame and what you're bringing up is there's so much internal work that needs to be done and being able to accept who you are internally. And then I find that's what brings confidence and the ability to show up and stop hiding because you're like, well, I love and trust and accept who I am. So I can show this to the world more brightly. And that's what creates confidence. I don't know if that's how you think of it. Yeah. too. No, 100%, 100%. One thing I wanted to comment on, I find that people with eating disorders struggle with being seen because there is this shame of who they are on the inside. Mm. Or they were feeling similar to how you are feeling, which is if I show up fully, I'm not going to be accepted, mm. right? or I might even be hurt, you know, there's so much there or, um, fear of expressing their emotions fully fear of having opinions that are too strong that aren't aligned with everyone else. And I think that is sometimes the root of many mental illnesses, right? It's like when a person is feeling disconnected, I think that's a risk factor for so many different mental illnesses, not just eating disorders. And I wanted to bring that up just because I know so many people listening don't feel seen all the time and struggle or they're afraid to be seen. I think the thing I would say, if anyone does not feel like they're being seen, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a challenging type of question, but what part of yourself do you feel like you can't accept? Because if you feel like you are not being seen, let's say with your voice, or maybe it's with your emotions. Like, oh, I just, I don't want anyone to see me sad. We can think of every reason why you wouldn't want someone to see you sad or suffering in some way. What within you does not accept your own sadness? What within you does not accept seeing yourself suffer? A question I had to ask myself was, what within myself am I not okay with seeing my own suffering. Cause I just hated anyone thinking like, okay, 
I'm not perfect here, 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 here. And someone can see it. Oh my gosh. Like that's not a good thing at all. What's Mm -hmm. Oh, panic mode, you know? And then I just asked myself, okay, am I okay with seeing myself suffer quote going through anything Mm -hmm. or not being perfect? And then you realize that these answers naturally will come up within you probably as different thoughts that pop up. Like for me, it was a thought, but also just a voice that popped up too. And was just like explaining why I have to be perceived as perfect for certain things. And that level of honesty with yourself is just going to help you to feel more seen and just starting within yourself first, instead of thinking about everyone else and how the environment's not okay. And how people don't ask me questions. People don't do this. People don't do that. Yeah. What am I not doing for myself? And it's not to say that maybe people aren't treating you badly because I'm pretty sure not everyone's being kind all the time. It's more so to give you peace of mind as to the solution can be within myself and I can get some ease out of this instead of it being so stressful. It gets stressful because we're placing that power outside of us. Just that question, what am I not accepting within myself? Or am I able to see myself with this emotion? Am I able to see myself speaking my truth in front of maybe a person that you've always been afraid to to speak it to, or maybe tons of people if you don't like to speak in front of crowds, but just seeing like, what do you think of about yourself when you aren't being seen? How does that make you feel? And you'll notice, oh, what'd you say? So to confirm, you said, what do you think of yourself? When you're being seen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Might be an interesting question. So if someone thinks negatively of themselves when they're being seen, what might that mean? If they are thinking negatively of themselves, if when they're being seen, so let's say you're in a shell and maybe you going out of that shell means that you automatically are self-critical of yourself just thinking, okay, with the self-critical part of me, what is underneath that? And Mm -hmm. it's going to require, it's nice to have a coach alongside or like a therapist for sure, because it is pretty deep. It's like really getting into your unconscious mind, but just understanding like what lies underneath that. If I have a part of me that's self-critical immediately when I'm being seen in any context, any situation, where did this start in my life? And you don't even have to start there. You could just write down on a paper or maybe notes in your cell phone. Like when I'm thinking of this, where in my body do I feel tension? Or maybe my heart is beating and just writing that down and tuning into that and just sitting with it. I think that we always try to escape those feelings because if you're, you don't want to be seeing, you're hiding, you're trying to avoid something. And so allowing yourself to, put close attention to it instead of running away from it. So just sitting with the uncomfortable feeling. If someone tells you to sit with your heart racing, thinking about going in front of your mom and saying how you actually feel, I I think that you definitely feel kind of like, oh gosh, this is not okay. (laughs) Like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel self-critical of myself. You know, like when I'm seen, that's when that part comes out. So if I hide, it's not going to come out. But the freedom is going to be in you diving into what that part of yourself that is, quote, negative 
is really telling you, is it afraid of something? What is it afraid of? And where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And then releasing the emotions from that experience when it does pop up and when you figure out what it is, it's a journey that really requires you to just sit and be okay with sitting with that for a little bit Mm -hmm. instead of trying to move to the next thing. And it's just can be challenging, but very possible. So when you were saying that you were afraid to show the world how wise you were, Mm-hmm. What about your wisdom were you judging or scared of that you didn't want to be shown? So for me, it wasn't even about, I guess you can kind of say it was about the wisdom, but it really connected back to what I learned as a child was my sense of safety is in me hiding. And if I'm hiding, it means that no one can hurt me. No one can do this, this or that. And when I realized that safety is not going to come from fear, it's going to come out of love. And am I really loving myself by not allowing myself to connect with people? Or am I just staying in fear? And I asked myself that question. I actually have a video of me going through this with myself. And yeah, it was really interesting. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the fear is not where your safety is. I mean, it seems like it is, it definitely seems comforting, but it's always pretty temporary comes back or you're hiding and you're still shaking under the covers. It's like, you're still scared. You know, like you don't feel good. (laughs) But when I just realized that me showing my wisdom and just who I am as a person is when I actually feel good, like I feel connected to myself and I feel like I am glowing I was like, this is so much better than just staying behind the cell phone and not doing anything to show myself. And it's always a choice, but it's just something that I really had to sit with and ask myself because I definitely wanted to keep hiding. It's, it's what I was just used to doing. So I'm still consciously working on myself. And I think that if anyone says that they like hit a point where nothing ever happens ever again in their life, maybe not to a certain situation, but just ever, they're definitely lying to themselves (laughs) because something's always going to pop up. I mean, you can always keep going on that journey just for you. That way you actually feel like, okay, I'm connecting with myself. There's so many things to unlearn. I don't think that ever really stops, but it's not a destination at the same time. It's Mm -hmm. just a journey in itself. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's That's part of why I had you on today, because I wanted to show the listeners that coaches need coaches, therapists need therapists, like doing the work, even if you've recovered from your eating disorder, doesn't mean you're done. That same part of you that maybe got the eating disorders might evolve into another part of you that also needs healing if it wasn't completely healed in the first place. So yeah, that was part of it. So obviously I know you're always working on yourself and I hope there's those who listen, realize there is no judgment and should mean no judgment for people who are seeking help for their own evolvement and growth. Yeah. I think it's really just no longer looking at it as if I'm asking for help, I'm inferior. And if I'm helping, I'm superior, mm. you know, cause it's yeah. like, it's definitely not that. <laughs> Everyone yeah, yeah and I think you're right. That is how people, a lot of people see it. And that's, that's a really nice way of putting it. So when you're talking about this concept of being seen, I just want to reiterate how important it is to 
realize a lot of the work about being seen is on you to show up, to start looking inside of you, to being able to show those parts to the world, being able to accept those parts. But we also mentioned a few other layers that complicate things like environment. Mm -hmm. So for your journey, how did environment come into play and how might that impact someone's ability to be seen? So for my own environment with being seen, my environment is pretty awesome right now. Like it's, (laughs) it's really awesome. But I will say that if you have an environment that is not very supportive of what you're doing and you're not in the place to leave or change like people that you're around, if you're under like 18 or maybe you just don't have the finances to move, let's say it's going to be hard to just say, yeah, you know, just leave the environment. I'm like, okay, I don't know where to go, what to do. In those situations, it's really important just to note that a lot of this is just going to be you for a little bit until you're able to surround yourself with people that actually do support you and can help you to just reiterate that, hey, like you're on this journey for you and you can do this. If you don't have that support, it's easy to want to try and change the people. And that's when people start to get kind of snappy at you when you're trying to change them. Just like, Mm. oh, like you should be like this. Like you guys should do this. I think there's a difference between expression and trying to just change someone in a different way. Everyone's going to change at their own pace. And you have to just accept that this is my environment. The people that are in it, they're like this. There are certain things that you can say and speaking your truth, but don't get too pissed off if they don't necessarily do every single thing that you wish that they could do to support you. Or maybe they still mention comments on weight and you don't want them to like still saying, okay, this bothers me. But knowing that at the end of the day, that person can only change themselves. You can't change them. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I think that's the hardest part is we try to change people. I mean, I can't change you. It's your choice to change yourself based on the things that happen in your life, but I can't change you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a tough situation, but just focusing on yourself only and keeping yeah. it just to you still staying in your truth, speaking your truth for you, doing things for you, indulging in what you like just for you, but not getting too wrapped up and trying to be sure that every single person is perfect. Yes. Yes. I think a lot of times when people are doing the inner healing work, they expect everyone to be moving along with them and to just keep up with their progress. So for instance, if you grow up in a home that's really into dieting and very dogmatic about what they're eating and regimented about maybe exercise and it's not the right environment to live in for recovery and you're doing all this anti-diet work, we can't expect or attach ourselves to the idea that everyone in your family is going to be on that journey too. Yeah. And they're so used to you being how you used to be. So they're still, Mm -hmm. as much as you're trying to get to know who you are with being seen, let's say, they're used to you being in that hiding mode, but they think it's your personality, but you're like, no, I'm, this is how I really am. Like I usually am super, like, I want to be loud. I want to actually have some sassiness. I want to just say how I feel, but they're used to you being quiet and like, what's happened with you? Like you've changed. So they'd have to get used to it, but they're so used to you being in that hiding state Mm. and that's all that they know. So it's Mm -hmm. just, 
I think both parties, the environments and yourself are just getting used to this new version of you that you're allowing to just unleash, which is being honest with yourself and truth. Yeah. And we can never really expect how people are going to react to the new version of ourselves, you know, and you have to be accepting that some people might not get it or might not appreciate it or accept it. But the hope is that you're no longer dependent on what they think. So if they reject you for some reason based on who you are now, you have already done the internal work to accept yourself so you can move forward being okay with the fact that they don't get it. Yeah. Something I read, that's a great book. Uh, This guy, he's a coach. His name's Brandon Hawk. And this book is called You. And he mentions that at a certain place in your life, not everyone, but some people, you get to this place where you no longer just want to be admired, but you actually want to be loved. And when you're just so good, right? Like when you're being admired, it's like, oh, I'm saying all the right things and everyone's loving me. And I have, I'm the perfect size. Like everything's great. I'm being admired but you feel so disconnected to get to that place of I'm with their approval that you're no longer connected to yourself. And when you actually want to step into being loved, you have to connect with yourself because who are they going to love if you don't know who they're actually loving? Mm -hmm. So if you're just stepping into being seen, you are loving yourself and you won't accept anyone else just admiring you. You actually want them just to love you for who you are, what you say, what you do. And it's no longer someone else's approval because their mm-hmm. approval is just them admiring you. That's, wow. You know, right? I love that so- difference. The, the nuance there is like, am I seeking admiration or am I seeking love? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people who end up with eating disorders, they're seeking admiration because what they're seeking is status in maybe size and appearance and maybe athleticism or whatever it might be. And that just brings admiration. It doesn't necessarily bring love. So what does love truly feel like to you? Mm -hmm. And that might be a question many people listening to the show need to explore. That's a good one. Yeah. And I loved how you mentioned what does love feel like to you? Because it's also going from just looking good to feeling good. Yes. What actually feels right. Same thing with boundaries too. Like in reality, it's just what feels good for you. That's the boundary. What actually feels good Mm. instead of what are you doing just to make someone else feel good? Even though we can't actually make someone else feel good. We just think that because I feel good, that I've just pleased them feel good temporarily, then they must feel good, but we can only go with what our own lens of the world is we don't know what someone else is really thinking or how it's going to impact them fully. Yeah. Such a good point. We can't force people to feel certain ways completely. Our main responsibility is to protect our own good feelings (laughs) and constantly work to bring ourselves back to that better feeling through what you're saying, like boundaries and connecting with our inner world and our inner self. So My final question for you is how can someone start that inner exploration? Like, what would you suggest if someone's feeling completely disconnected from themselves? Where is a good place to start? Just the awareness. Mm -hmm. Really simple. 
because you can feel disconnected and buy all the things for it, have the right quote figure, whatever it may be. But until you actually are aware of what you actually feel, like I have all these things, but I still don't feel like I am me. I don't see me. I don't know who I am. I don't have much confidence. I'm actually really afraid. I'm super isolated from the world. When you have that awareness as crappy as it may feel, and it might even seem depressing, but once you actually have that, then you can really start that journey. Just Mm -hmm. the awareness that you're not in the place that you feel like you really could be. And you're just not as happy as you think you could be. You're just suffering. Once you do that, I think that that awareness then just drives you to finding the right people, like a coach or a therapist or groups that can help you, different books, because now you're like, I'm aware that I am unfulfilled. And so Mm -hmm. how can I fulfill myself now? Because before you were fulfilling yourself with all the different material things, all of like the right things to do, the right things to do for the right body, whatever it may be. But with the awareness, it'll just drive you to go with the right resources and just, it naturally for the most part happens. And if it doesn't, then just sometimes you have to go through a lot to really have that moment. But I think people typically have that moment. Sometimes people will awaken you to it. Yes. I do find awareness is always the first piece of awakening and making change, but you also have to have the courage to start being seen, right? I think that's the challenge there is when you're aware of, okay, like I feel disconnected. I feel disconnected. It's like, okay, now the journey towards connection, am I ready for that? And yeah, I well, that's it's just the fear that can kind of come up maybe. True. But I think that something we can add on to that is that, can you actually see yourself? the thing that you don't want people Mm. to see. Like, I don't want someone to see me, um, quote, Mm. overweight. I don't want someone to see me poor. Okay, can you see yourself that way? Are you okay with seeing yourself that way? Because it's not going to be, okay, May, come in here so I can see if I'm done with this limiting belief. It's going to be, can I (laughs) actually experience this within my own body and feel okay with it? Can I be seen within my own lens? Yes, so the first step is, is actually that building that awareness and then working to see who you really are within yourself before we even get to that external factor of connection to others. Yep. 100%. Mm. And the most interesting thing is the hardest part will probably be you accepting yourself and seeing yourself in that way. Because once Mm. you see yourself in that way, what else is there to really fear? I can't really experience your rejection towards me, I can only experience how your rejection feels within me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm just working with the things inside of me and I've built up this confidence, your rejection doesn't hurt me as much as it would if I didn't already accept myself. Mm -hmm. That's so real and so relatable to people on their recovery journeys, especially with when their bodies potentially change. And I find the true exciting parts of recovery happen when you have done that internal work to accept that body change before it actually happens. Mm. So when someone, there's that shift of I'm terrified about my body changing to I'm so over this and bring it on. 
(laughs) Like bring it on. I want to gain the weight. I want every pound on my body. That's going to help me feel nourished and alive and free. Bring it on. When I see that shift recovery gets so much easier and more fun. And that's like the actual coolest part to watch, you know, as a coach, just to see the layer of fear melt away. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, well, you're beautiful, Autumn. And I, <laughs> and I think you have shared so much today that really resonates with the community that this wonderful podcast has. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your own healing journey. You're so welcome. I'm so happy to have come on here and it's like full circle moment and it's really cool. absolutely and yeah I hope you have a beautiful day you too May (laughs) awesome